John chapter 13. Good, good songs picked this morning. I wish there was a magic formula just to uh, still everybody's mind and cause you to focus solely on what I'm about to say. And I don't know if you have a secret formula or something that works for you, but if you do, I implore you this morning to use it and minimize distractions and give our attention to the Word of God this morning. Because what I'm going to preach on this morning is a well-known subject and yet so unappreciated. I think it's very true that the majority of us will never appreciate what we have until we lose it. And... That's a sad statement of humanity. That's a sad statement. How for granted we take the blessings of God on our life because we're living in them. And they, we have them around us. And many times, it's not until we lose something that we realize how precious what we had. I know there's people that could testify to that here this morning. It may be a loved one. It may be a church. It may be a time in your life. It may be that your children are now grown and gone. It could be any number of things. But it is true generally speaking, that as human beings we do not appreciate the moment we are in until the moment is gone. And every single moment that we get to open the pages of this book is a precious moment. And in John 13 we find ourselves in a moment of time where the disciples are about to lose everything they've enjoyed for the last three and a half years. The Bible tells us in John 13, verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved His own, which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. Father, I pray, Lord, that You take Your Word this morning. I can't. I, I lack the ability and the power to open the hearts of people. Lord, that's something only You can do. Lord, may we this morning be impressed with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the love of God for the lost is oft spoken of. 
oft memorized. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The majority of the time that we speak of the love of God, it's in the context of sinners and the lost and the world. But in the context of this morning's passage, the Lord's love for His own is explained. And you know something, folks, this morning? I'm interested in that. I know that God loved me enough to send His Son to die for me. Amen? And I'm thankful for that. But I want to know that He loves me now. If you'll notice here in our text, we're shown in verses 1 to 3 what Jesus knew. And in verse 4 and 5, and even the rest of the chapter, we're shown what Jesus did. And it's my purpose this morning to show you the love of our Lord for us, even to the end. In verses 1 to 3, we see here what Jesus knew. And there's several things that the scripture here reveals that Jesus knew. First of all, Jesus knew that his hour was come. Now, folks, if you've not read your Bible, if you've never taken the time to pour over its pages, you are not going to appreciate the hour of the Lord. The hour of the Lord is often spoken of in the Gospel of John. Many times he spoke of his hour, this hour that would come. He paid much attention to it throughout his earthly ministry. This hour that he's speaking of had been on the Lord's mind since the very beginning. In John chapter 2, <coughs> when his mother and brethren approached him at the very onset of his public ministry, the Lord said to his mother, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Even in the beginning of his ministry, the Lord was contemplating this hour, this, this time, this period that was to come. When the Jews or attempted to arrest him on numerous occasions throughout the gospel. They could not touch him. And the reason to us given is that his hour was not come. In John 7.30, the Bible tells us that they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. <coughs> I don't know what that looked like at that time. I don't know if it was literally that they tried to take a hold of him and the supernatural power of God held them from laying their hands on the Lord's anointed because his hour wasn't come. I don't know if they simply stood back and thought about 
taking a hold of him, but in their subconscious, something was telling them that now was not the time because his hour had not come. I don't know what it was, but all I know is they did not lay hold of the Lord until the hour had come. We're given another example in John chapter 8, the next chapter over, when Jesus spoke in the treasury and taught in the temple and men sought to lay hands upon him, but could not, for his hour was not yet come. The coming of the Greeks to him in the time of his ministry precipitated this prayer from our Lord. He prayed to the Father in John 12 and 27, Now is my soul troubled, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. The hour cometh. It hadn't come. It hadn't come. This hour, this this ominous hour had not yet come. But now, in chapter 13 and verse number 1, the Bible says Jesus knew that his hour was come. Have you ever dreaded something? Have you ever had something in front of you that you knew was coming and you weren't really looking forward to it? In a sense, with the Lord, I'm sure that He was looking forward to being reunited with the Father, but there were still some feelings as a man that were holding Him back. And if you would read the conversations in previous chapters that the Lord had uh, with His disciples, He speaks to them just earlier about he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And now he's come to a place and he knew that his hour was come. What would take place in this hour? Well, in John 17 and verse 1, we see a good part. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. What is written, if the Son of Man be lifted up, He will draw all men unto Himself. There was a certain glory to come following the suffering of the Lord, there was a glory that would come. The resurrected Lord that would come in that hour. But we also find in a verse we've already read in John 16, 32, we find that in that hour that had now come in John chapter 13, every man would leave him and he would be left alone. And as surely as the Word of God says it, the Lord takes His disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, and He is left alone. They slept while He prayed. 
soon to come, the denial of Peter that he never knew that man. Soon to come, <coughs> the selling out of the Savior by Judas, one of the twelve. Soon to come, <coughs> a time when no one, none, would stand with him in that hour. In John 12 and 27, the Lord said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. We know that this hour that was to come, the Lord faced with trepidation and fear. It was not something that in His humanity He anticipated. He prayed in the garden, If this cup would pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but Thine be done. He said, Father, save me from this hour. And then in realization said, but for this cause came I unto this hour. The Lord knew that He had come for this hour. You know, we, we talk about with our children, we talk about a point in their life, a point of understanding. When they come to a, an age or, or, a, or a place in their life where they understand what the truth of the gospel is. Do you ever consider for the Lord Jesus, who was both the Son of Mary and the Son of God, that the Lord's hour of understanding was the moment that in His childlikeness He recognized that there was an hour coming. We sing a song around Christmas time, born to die. But we sing that in a Christmas spirit and not in a sober spirit, recognizing that there was a time in the Lord Jesus' young childhood that he realized he must be about his father's business, and there was an hour to come in his father's business. And as we get to John chapter 13 and verse number 1, after all of these many things had transpired, the Bible says Jesus knew that his hour was come. In one sense, I'm sure he anticipated reuniting with the Father. But also there was another side of the Lord that we'll show you in just a moment. As we get to verse number 2, we find something else that Jesus knew. The Bible says in supper being ended, the devil <clears throat> having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. In this hour, the Lord also knew that he would be betrayed. Judas is mentioned eight times in the Gospel of John, more than in any of the other Gospels. And in Luke chapter 22 and verse 3, you'll find that Satan had entered into Judas and made him capable of bringing Christ to arrest and crucifixion with the betrayal of a kiss. When Jesus said His hour was come, in that hour that was come, He knew that His disciple would betray Him. 
In verse number 3, the Bible says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. Jesus knew all things as his hour came. He knew what was going to transpire, what was ahead of him. He knew that he was going to become poor and yet be rich. He knew he was despised and rejected of men, yet he would be received by the Father. He knew all these things as his hour came. If you return with me to verse number 1, I think a very telling portion of this in relation to his love is that when Jesus knew that his hour was come, <coughs> that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. There's the joy, eh? That he would soon leave his Father. Or that he would soon leave this world and be with his Father. He says, having loved his own, which were in the world. Jesus knew that to leave and to go to the Father was going to be glory for Him. But it would leave His disciples to face this world without Him. And the Lord knew they were weak. And folks, in this I see my own frailties. I see the frailties of believers today. That our Lord is not here. We have not seen our Lord face to face. And He knows our frailties. He knows that we are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. He knows that our love for Him at best is lukewarm and is up and down dependent upon circumstances and the ebbs and tides and flows of this world. And Jesus, as His hour came upon Him, realized that it was going to be glorious to be reunited with the Father. But a deep concern and compassion fell upon our Savior for those He would leave behind in the world. He told them in John 16, 33, In the world ye shall have tribulation. Jesus knew that His own were slow to understand His teachings. Have you read? You know it's true. How often the Lord would speak to them and they had no comprehension in John chapter 6. <clears throat> as Jesus explained that He was the bread of life that would give eternal life to all men because of the hard saying and not easy to be understood. Many forsook. Many fled Him. They were slow to understand His teaching. They were slow to appreciate His nature and His mission here on earth. Peter himself, I'll die for you, Lord. I'll don't let anybody touch you, Lord could not understand the purpose for which he'd come. He did not understand the hour that was to come. <coughs> his disciples were unworthy in their character of his fellowship and his name. You know, they call us Christians. We bear the name of Christ. Worthily or unworthily. 
His own disciples were inconsistent and inconstant. And it was shown in their constant forsaking of Him in His hours of deepest need. The Lord would leave His disciples in this world. And though there was a joy to be reunited with His Father, there is a grieving that He would leave them in this world. You know, in our society today, when we're faced with such situations, we think of me first. How can I make it easier for me? We're all going through trouble, so don't mind if I don't pay attention to your problems, but i got to take care of me. i got to take care of mine. Look, I know that there's a lot of things going on, and you may be dealing with your problems, and you may be, but trouble comes to us all, and I've got my own problems to deal with. Our Lord knew that if He was to go in this hour and leave them here, He'd have to show them something special. say, well, what did he do? In verse 4, the Bible says, he riseth from supper. By the way, in this room, there was no servant there to do the traditional washing of the feet that would have wiped the day's travels off of their feet. It was just the Lord and his disciples. And they gathered together there for supper. And can you put yourself there for a minute? Can you be reminded that the disciples had been clamoring over who would be the greatest in the kingdom as Jesus' hour came? You compare passages with passages. You find out that the conversation the disciples were having preceding what the Lord is about to do here was of none less than asking amongst themselves who would be the greatest in His kingdom. And as they sat around the supper table, the Lord realized the hour was come. And what did he do? He riseth up from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded him. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. In spite of what he knew, in spite of his hour coming, in spite of of the betrayal that was imminent, the denial that was imminent, the forsaking that was imminent, the discussions that were full of self-interest. Jesus knelt down and washed their feet. He loved them. 
to the end. In verse 4, it says he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. They'd all taken their place around the table. <clears throat> it would have been customary for someone else to have washed their feet, some slave to have washed their feet. But the Lord took off his outer garment, which was usually taken off during work, it was used at night for a covering while they were sleeping. He took that outer garment off. He took a towel and girded himself and went to the betrayer and the denier and the self-absorbed and in his hour of suffering, He knelt down and washed their feet. He loved them to the end. As you read on here, which we don't have time to do, but you find that the Lord taught them a lesson in humility, in love. He girded themselves and served those that would forsake him. You know the love of the Lord is marvelous. It's marvelous for its timing. You know, before the feast of the Passover, it's a special time. And his thoughts could have been occupied with the special memories of Passovers before. It was a special time for the Jews. You know, <clears throat> so often we don't think so much about the God of blessings as we do the blessings of God. You know, we sing a lot about His blessings on me. But we don't sing a lot about the blessing that He is. Not for what He does, but for who He is. You know, the love of the Lord is wonderful because of its timing. Before His departure, He may have been so absorbed in the contemplation of getting through this difficult time to be restored into fellowship with His Father. But no, He loved them to the end. I'm an, I, I myself am impressed with that. Because I don't know any human capable of that kind of love. No husband is that good. And no wife is that good. That when he knew his hour was to come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, 
all he could think about was the disciples he would leave in this world, and he loved them. His love is marvelous not only for its timing, but also for its intensity. That's intense. Unto, do you realize how many, how few husbands and wives actually end up loving each other to the end these days? Less than 50%. His love was to the uttermost. You know that Paul says in Ephesians 3.19, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, if you want to be filled with all that fullness, you've got to contemplate that love. We sing the songs that God should love a sinner such as I. And we just sing it and blah, 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 throw up a hand. But we don't really often think about it. to the latest moments of the Lord's life. He would love them as much at the end as He did at the beginning. Amen? The Bible says in 1 John 3.16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. He loved them to the end. How do you love them? How do you love the Lord? I think that's a reasonable and fair question. It's interesting to me that the last thing that the Lord said to Peter while he was on earth, he said, lovest thou me more than these? Remember Peter got upset that the Lord would ask him such a thing? But you know why the Lord did? Because he knew he wouldn't. He knew he didn't love him like he should have. How do you love the Lord when your hour comes? When your tribulation comes? When your hour of suffering comes? How do you love Him? Most people get mad at Him. Most people blame Him. Most people turn on Him and forsake Him. But the question is this morning, will you love Him to the end? I don't know. You know, I can't answer for anybody in here. I don't know what loss awaits you. But I know it does. I don't know what suffering awaits you. But I know it'll come. I don't know what tribulation you're going to have to endure. But I know you'll have to endure some in this world. And my question this morning is, will you love Him as He loves you? 
Some of us do not even love him like we should right now. In a day of relative ease, you say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been going through. I do. That which is common to man. That's what you've been going through. Has it affected your love for him? Do you love him more now than you did then? We sang that song, Because He Loved Me. And you know what? I, I love Him because He first loved me. But you know what? I want to love Him with the love that He loved me with. And that was a love to the end. You say, well, well how can I show my love for God? By loving one another. If you say you love God and you hate your brother, the truth abideth not in you. Say, well, how do I manifest my love for God? You love each other. So let me ask, how do you love each other? Or is it, as the scripture says, the love of many has waxed cold? He loved them to the end. He took off his coat, girded himself with a towel, and washed the feet of the ones who had forsaken him. That's love. That's love. There's no vengeance in that. Amen. How do you love him? How do you love him? You know, they pick that flower and how do you love he loves me he loves me not he loves me you know it's not like that folks he loved you he'll love you to the end he'll never forsake you and i pray to god this morning that we won't forsake him that we will love him more at the end than we even did at the beginning let's stand together this morning The moment our eyes met, I knew this was the night that I would betray him, the precious Lamb of God. No other disciple was aware of my plan. 
Till he rose from the table With something in his hand His holy eyes pierced through me Revealing all my sin I knew his wrath was coming And thought it would be the end Then he bowed And he washed my feet Knowing that I was the cause of his grief And when he should have scolded He whispered peace He's no worse than I The moment I gave in To Satan's compromise Ungrateful that Jesus Had saved me from hell I was walking so proudly and that's when I fell. His holy eyes pierced through me, revealing all my sin. I knew his wrath was coming, and this would be my end. He Holy eyes pierce through me, revealing all my sin. And I knew his wrath was coming, and this would be the end. Then he bowed, and he washed my scolded 
and he bowed and he washed my feet when he should have scolded he no worse than you and I the moment I gave in to Satan's compromise so ungrateful that Jesus would save me from hell I was walking so proudly and that's when I fell. His holy eyes pierced through me, revealing all my sin. I knew his wrath was coming, and this would be the end. But he bowed. And he washed my feet, knowing that I was the cause of his grief. And when he should have scolded, he